0: One time last year, I went for one of my many walks. Um, People uh, last year, literally that was all you could do, wasn't it? Just go on walks. And um, I actually avoided the common because it was so busy. And I came across something on the pavement and uh, it was in front of me and it looked a bit like a bunch of flowers um, that someone had dropped. So I was like, free flowers, count me in. Um, And I tugged on it just a little bit um, and it wasn't letting go. It It was attached to something. And it was actually growing there. Um, You know, sometimes you see the odd flower growing out of the cracks in the pavements. But this was on another level. This was like a whole bunch of flowers. And what I thought was something that someone had dropped really was a model of something that became quite thought-provoking for me. If If these flowers had just been a bunch of flowers in the garden, you wouldn't have even noticed them. But the fact that they'd thrived in an environment... That, wasn't, that they weren't meant for, you couldn't not pay attention to it. Um, the resilience, if you like, um, that they continue to grow in this environment and actually thrive. Um, and they, they kind of hung on to what was giving it life. They found a source that was different from what was expected or its known environment. And they actually blossomed. So let's read a portion of the Bible. Um, This actually links in really, really well. And I want you to turn to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah, uh, he was one of the prophets in the Old Testament and they were kind of like these mouthpieces for God. And uh, God was communicating to the people of Israel about a lot of things. But in Jeremiah 17, in the middle of his prophecy, he's engaging with the people of Israel and he's sharing with them. This is what it looks like to be disconnected from God. And this is what those who are connected to God look like. And he kind of uses the same analogy as this plant Um, breaking through in an environment so why don't we read Jeremiah 17 verses 5 to 8 this is what the Lord says cursed is the one who trusts in man who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord that person will be like a bush in the wastelands they will not see prosperity when it comes They would dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of droughts and never fails to bear fruit. Now, the implication of these verses is that both of these bushes, both of these things are in the same place, but they have different results. One is like this bush in the wasteland. It's kind of, it's existing. It does have some life. It is at least alive, but it looks just like the environment. It resembles the effect of the drought. Um, and then the other one is like the tree, whose roots have found an underground source of water. And I don't think he's implying that the tree is near water and the other bush isn't. I think he's implying that they're in the same place. They're all experiencing heat. They're all experiencing drought. But the end result of that which it's connected to and which is giving it life determines the outcome. Uh, the environment resembles drought, but one of them doesn't. And that word that kept coming to mind as I kept thinking about this was this word, resilient. I remember when the kids were little, wanting—they uh, both wanted one of those little mini uh, remote control helicopters, like mini drones—and uh, we got them one each one Christmas, and they were so excited about getting to fly them around the lounge, and just within seconds like they'd crashed and even after one crash they were damaged. And I'm pretty sure that by Boxing Day, after multiple crashes, they were completely ruined. Um, they, They just weren't resilient in the slightest, those little mini helicopters. I'm proposing that Lego, on the other hand, has got to be one of the most resilient things in the world. I don't know whether you've uh, ever put your knee on one where you've you've, like, uh, they've all fallen off the table or whether you stepped on a piece of Lego with your bare foot. You know that you will never be able to kill the Lego. The Lego will kill you. Um, And uh, that's a picture of resilience, isn't it? You just cannot kill Lego. Apparently there are more Lego bricks in the world than there are humans. Who knew? Maybe they're just going to take over the world one time. That wasn't in my notes. Anyway, um, resilience is particularly seen in times of difficulty. Um, often, a marathon runner is, re- is referred to somebody who who's being resilient. That even though they're tired and they're weary, they continue and they press on. Resilience can look like a flower that breaks through the cracks in the pavement. It can look like a tree in the middle of drought. Finding water and it just doesn't always make sense. You think, how is that actually surviving there? How is that actually working? And I've had this phrase going around my head for probably about 18 months now. What does it mean to be a resilient disciple? What does that mean? How do I become a resilient disciple? How do I flourish and grow in my relationship with God, despite any struggling or any suffering that I'm facing? And I've been really interested over this last year, just in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of things that are just not going according to plan. What is it that's going to keep me going with God? What's going to keep people going in our church? What Are we just going to stagnate? Are we going to fall away? Are we going to cling on by the skin of our teeth? Once we remove amazing worship nights and church services where we can meet up with friends and we can receive prayer, what do I actually have left? What's my source? Am I like the bush in the desert, like barely alive, looking a bit parched? Or am I going to be like the well-watered tree where my leaves are green and I'm thriving despite still being in the desert because I have this source of life? How do, how do we become like the plant and the flowers in the pavement that we're still blossoming in the middle of the concrete? There's, a, there's just an awful lot of storms out there that we have to weather. Like Life is hard, isn't it? I don't know whether that might have been a a bit of a revelation for some people this year, that life is hard. There are things that happen in each of our lives that are hard to to deal with. It's so easy to become discouraged, to get knocked down, to be battered with despair and disappointment. And I want to look at somebody who can show me how to get through the hard times and actually thrive, not, not just survive. And the Apostle Paul in the New Testament is one of those people, I think he's a bit of a hero of mine. I don't always find him that easy to understand. But in Romans and in other letters that he writes too, he explains some of the things that he's gone through and just how he maintains his source of life and hope. And I, I think, I'm going to put it out there, that I think he's one of the most resilient characters in the Bible, and certainly in the New Testament. And so this is what's going to be our theme over this next term. Over the next few weeks, we are going to be exploring this theme of what it means to be a resilient disciple. But through the lens of Paul's letter to the Romans, both in our life groups and on a Sunday. Paul knew all about what it, what it, what it meant to be resilient in the face of extreme circumstances. And I just want to read from Romans eight. 35 to 38. And it says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. What a passage. There are 17 things in those few verses, if you go through and count them, that Paul says, here are things that threaten to separate us, that threaten to take away our hope, that threaten to knock us down. And 2 Corinthians 11 uh, is another place where he gives even more, sp- even more of a specific list of the things that he's gone through. He says, I've been sh- shipwreck- shipwrecked That's awkward. <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> He says, I've been beaten with rods and stones. I've been starving. I've been abandoned by my friends. I've been homeless. I've been imprisoned unjustly. He says, I've been persecuted. I've been accused of things I never did. He's single. He doesn't have children. He's not leading some charmed life. And yet, he seems to be one of the most joy-filled, hope-filled, most resilient characters to have ever lived. And despite, despite all of that, despite all of his circumstances, he says nothing is going to separate him from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He says these trials and these circumstances cannot take me out. He has incredible resilience. Honestly, if you think you've got it tough, just have a little look at the life of Paul. It'll make you feel so much better. So what is a resilient disciple? Um, Good old Google. Uh, Resilience is the capacity to quickly recover from difficulties. Toughness. It's the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape after being bent or compressed. Elasticity. Resilience in psychology. It's the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress. Now, a a disciple is a follower, a pupil, or an apprentice. So I want to propose that a resilient disciple is a follower of Jesus who has a robust faith, um, but someone who I think is connected to the source of life. That's the key. So how do we become resilient disciples? How, when life turns us upside down, when we're faced with a pandemic, when someone close to us is sick or dies, when we lose our job, when we are falsely accused of something, how do we actually thrive? Well, you might've been, expect, been expecting 10 lovely top tips from becoming a resilient disciple, all beginning with a letter P. That's not gonna happen. Um, I want you to do some work instead. So, I'd like to ask you all some questions. If you're watching and you're listening on your own, can I encourage you to grab some paper and write some of your thoughts down about these questions? Or if you're watching with others, then have a little discussion. So, I've got three questions that are going to come up on the screen. We're going to take a pause for three or four minutes, and I want you to discuss these questions or ponder these questions. The first one is Am I a resilient disciple? Am I a resilient disciple? Or if you're, if you're new to faith or you're exploring faith, maybe think about it more in terms of, am I a resilient person? Uh, if, you, you know, if you're not ready to call yourself a disciple yet. Maybe think about this last year. How has my faith survived or thrived? So that's the first question. The second one is, am I more of a bush in the wastelands Or a well-watered tree whose leaves are green? And that's a similar question to the first one, but I just wanted to kind of put it more in a visual form so you can picture which one you think you might be more like. And then the third question is, what do you think makes a resilient disciple? What do you think contributes to uh, someone's faith just being really robust and and, and contributes to them thriving? So you've got these three questions, we're going to pause for three or four minutes, ponder them on your own, grab a piece of paper or discuss them with the people around you and then um, we're going to come back together in just a few minutes. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall in some of your discussions or your ponderings. And I would love to hear your thoughts, particularly to question three. What makes a resilient disciple? And so um, can you put your answers or some of your thoughts on the online chat? I'd, we, Depending on how random they are, we might incorporate them as we go on um, if I can manage to multitask. But yeah, what, what do you think makes a resilient disciple? Pop your little nuggets on the chat. And while you're posting your suggestions to question three i'd love to give you a bit of homework for the week first of all, and it's just to carry on pondering and thinking about those questions. Just start mulling them over in your mind. Invite God to speak to you about this or ask him to challenge you. think about what you like what is my source of life like just ask about that question think about what's my source what's my what's the thing that actually is feeding me and giving me life. Maybe read through the book of Romans. Uh, Phil is going to come and talk next week and give us a bit of an overview of Romans and introduce it in a bit more depth. But read it. It's an incredible book. Um, I think it's probably one of my favourite books of the Bible. Um, And can I really encourage you to join a life group this is where some of the, what we're talking about on a Sunday, we can just go a little bit deeper with people as we look and, ex- and, and explore this book in a little bit more depth and this, and this subject. It's just so good to be able to journey this with other people and be challenged as well in those little communities. So have we got any answers? No, nothing on there. Okay, well, if they pop in, I might just read them. Um, but before we, before we come down to land, I want to just go back to that passage again in Jeremiah 17. And the, the contrast and the keys to the condition of the two bushes, I think, is found in verses 5 and 7. So that's uh, verse 5. If we can just have that up. Brilliant. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That is how we end up parched and shriveled. If we just put our trust in people, if we draw our own strength, if we turn our hearts away from God, then this source will at some point let us down. But then look at the contrast. So verse 7, it says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And I actually think that this is one of the main keys to becoming a resilient disciple. Do we actually put our full trust and confidence in God and in his character and his promises? He is always kind. He is always good. He is always faithful. Do we actually trust him? Uh, When, you know, when life throws us a curveball, what's our response? Is it to look to our own strength and our own um, wisdom, lean on our own understanding? Is that our response when life throws us a curveball? Or is there a recognition that he is always good? And even though we may not understand, we choose to trust him. For, For me, this is one of the keys to my life. Like, I know that when my circumstances aren't ideal, God is still in charge. He is still good. He is still faithful. Even with Steve being so ill over the past few years, past uh, few months, gosh, <laughs> the past few months, God is still faithful. God is still the same. God hasn't changed. He is still on the throne. I can trust him despite what my circumstances say. God is still good. And I honestly don't know how I'd do life without that rock. That rock that he is always dependable and he can be trusted no matter what life is throwing at me. And secondly, remember Paul's key to him being this resilient disciple. Romans 8 verses 38 and 39. If we can just look at that again. I just, I, if you could just read this every day for the rest of your life, I love it. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is our source of life, our source of hope, the love that Jesus has for. Every single one of us. This is the thing that kept Paul so strong and so resilient and so rooted. He knew that he was so loved, so unconditionally loved by Jesus, that nothing could separate, separate him from that love. No circumstances. Uh, and, and, and this is my question to you. Do you actually know how much you're loved? Do you know how much you're loved this morning? Do you know how much Jesus loves you? And I, I just feel that there could be some people here this morning that that's just a um, a bit of an alien concept. You, might, you or you might kind of like know it here, but do you actually know it here? Because this will transform your life if you know how much you are loved by an un, the unconditional love of a father. And you may have not had a great father, but I tell you, God is Abba Father. He is closer then you know, and he wants to come to you this morning and just reaffirm his love for you. And I just pray that, just, yeah, God, would you just bring a revelation of the Father's love to people right now in people's homes? Would that revelation of how loved they are just drop from their head to their heart today? And where you think, just get a sense that people think that that's for somebody else and it's not for me. But I tell you, that is available for you here today. If you want to ask for prayer on the online chat, then please do that. And if, if you've never accepted this love that Jesus has for you, there's going to be an opportunity for you to say, do you know what? Today's the day. I just want to say yes to Jesus. Yes to him loving me. Yes to trusting him again. Yes to kind of trusting him for the first time. There's going to be loads of nuggets and keys to, be a, to being a resilient disciple that we're going to discover over these next few weeks um, as we study this together. But I just want us to grasp these two things more than anything, that we would know and understand the character and the promises of God and therefore put all of our trust in him and then that we would understand how completely and unconditionally we're loved. And those two things, trusting who he is and knowing how much we are loved. Trusting who he is and knowing how much we are loved. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.